What a great song to start us off and warm us up inside. Now that we're into 2018, we've said goodbye to Christmas and New Year's. Are you ready? Are you ready for 2018? You ready to dive in? Yes? Good, because Kensington's got lots of opportunities for you to do so, starting with coming up in just a few weeks our biannual leadership gathering. Now, you're invited if you're a leader, whether you lead here in the church or if you lead in the marketplace, maybe you lead a sports team or you lead in the home, you're a parent. 
If you lead yourself, I think that's just about everybody, you're invited to come for a Friday night, Saturday event where together we're going to develop some spiritual muscle, some uh, emotional muscle. We're going to get stronger mentally and become that whole person that God created us to be. Let's watch this video and catch a glimpse of what Leadership Gathering is all about. Lead. You can't lead if you're not hearing the voice of God. Together, there is nothing that we can't do. I really believe that God has given us a sacred trust. Thanks, Scotty. The theme this January is Thrive, and the event's taking place here at the Troy campus. You can register online. You can go out to the lobby, to the info station. We'll help you do that. Another way to keep growing this year together is Wednesday nights. We have our midweek service on the evens on the second and fourth Wednesday. So this coming Wednesday, we'll be coming together. We sing together, and then we'll open up the Bible. We're going to be going through the book of Philippians. Also, next weekend, we'll have a connecting fair in the lobby so you can build community, get to know people in this place by joining a group. We have groups for men and women, for couples, for singles, for parents, and for finances, and more. One of the groups that we really uh, like to talk about is our Alpha Course, and that's because it's a great way to step into community here at Kensington. It's a great way to step into your spiritual journey, or it's a great way to learn how to have spiritual conversations. So let's watch this video, and together we'll understand a little more about what Alpha is all about. Life is busy. Every day we ask questions like, what's happening today? What should I wear? How am I going to fit everything in? But then there are bigger questions like, why am I here? What's my purpose? Where am I heading? Is there more to life than this? These are some of life's big questions, but there's rarely enough time to think them through. That's why Alpha exists. Alpha is a place to explore life's big questions in a safe and open environment. It's a series of sessions where anyone can share their thoughts and opinions and ask questions without feeling judged. When you come to an Alpha, you'll notice that first, there's food. Whether it's a full meal or a light snack, this is the time to get to know each other in a casual setting. Next, you'll watch an Alpha talk. The talks are created to engage and spark conversation. They explore big issues around faith from a Christian perspective. After the talk is a time for discussion. This is the most essential part of any Alpha. It allows everyone to share their own opinions on the ideas presented in the talks. It's a time for people with different thoughts, beliefs, and experiences to ask honest questions and have open conversation. Every week, there are guests coming for the first time to an Alpha in their community. Alpha is for everyone, regardless of background or beliefs. 
There's no pressure, no follow-up, and it's completely free to attend. Come and explore life's big questions. Find an Alpha near you today. I've been through Alpha, and I have to tell you, it really is as amazing as it looks on the video, and that's because of the people. So the people in this place make it great. Later this month on Wednesday nights, we'll be kicking off Alpha for adults and Alpha for teens. Same day, same time, same dinner, but two separate rooms. If you're interested, go in line and register. You can go out to the lobby. A number of you already have, but there's plenty of room for more. I'll be out at the Alpha table after the service. I'd love to talk with you. Today, we're kicking off a new series called Crave, and Danny Cox will be bringing us the message. I want to let you know that later in the service, uh, we are going to show a video story, and that video story's got some mature content. So if you have a child in the room with you up to age 11 or so, Danny will let you know, but you may want to consider taking them out to the lobby for that video. Now let's take a moment, stand up, greet one another warmly, and we'll continue on. ready to go? You know, last week I was speaking and in this service at 1030, I'm like, are you ready for 2008? And they're like, what? I was going back in time. This is 2018. Are you ready? Yes? All right, awesome. We're ready too because this guy is with us and this is Andrew Kim. Hey everyone. Good morning. Andrew's going to be Andrew's going to be a a great partner. He's going to be a new teaching pastor here at Kensington. He's going to make Troy a part of his home. So we are excited about that. His his wife, Robin's here too. Whoop, whoop, whoop. And the kids. And so so thank you. And and we're so grateful that you're here. Absolutely. Thanks so much, guys, for having me. It's a perfect, perfect time to move to Michigan. And so we're thankful (laughs) to move in January. Don't worry. It'll warm up a little in (laughs) May. It's only up from here. And so it's it's great. And so thank you all. Thank you, Danny. Appreciate it. Awesome. Great. So if you see Andrew... Uh, yeah, if you see Andrew and Robin in the lobby or whatever, uh, yeah, just give them a hug. Welcome them uh, to our community. I'm excited about what God's going to do. So here we go. Uh, we are jumping into 2018. I'm excited about uh, today. I really am. And last week, if you were here, we titled the service, Hashtag My Word 2018. So how many people got a word last, last week? Just let me see your hands. Now, for those of you not raising your hands, don't worry, you're not out of the loop. But uh, I would encourage you to go back and watch. If you go on our website, you can go back and watch services. And it's awesome because uh, really what we challenged all of us to do is ask God if he would have a word for us. A word that we could attach to this year. And so go back and see if God would give you a word. Because when God speaks a word, it can really push us into a new life. And that's what we're praying for this year. And last week I told a story about going on a retreat. And it was a few years ago, a silence and solitude retreat. Oh no, I don't like it. And so I went, it took me three days to get my mind to shut down. But when it finally quieted down, God gave me three words. Purity, discipline, and appetites. And I knew what he was saying. Purity. I had been praying for God. I'm like, God, would you make me pure? Because scripture says when you're pure of heart, you'll see God. So I was praying for that. And I was praying, God, would you discipline my life more? I want to be more disciplined. And then I prayed for appetite. I knew what he meant when, when, when he gave me the word appetite. 
Because the word appetite are these cravings that kind of take the place of God. And I knew I was struggling in a couple areas. I knew it because there was a tangible example. And just before that, now I'm going to preface the story because here's the thing. Whatever you do, don't put your 17-year-old teenage son in charge of your health and give him accountability. Right? Because I, 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 my, my son came up to me about three, a little over three years ago. He goes, Dad, you need to get in shape, man. And he's just ripped, you know. And so I was like, okay, I know. I got, you know, a big guy. I lose the way. Okay, I'll do that. Hey, son, would you be my accountability partner? Don't do that. Don't do that. And so that, at that point, it just exploded. So we're at a birthday party. I think it was his. And he, and he, was like, and he looks at me and he goes, you're not eating any cake, man. And I said, oh, okay, all right, I'm good with that. And so I sit there the whole time, and then finally we clean up, and we're in the kitchen, and I looked out. No, it's Costco cake. Come on. Like, and so I'm looking at it, and my son leaves the room, and I quickly go, and he, I'm not kidding you, he walks back in, and he looks at me. This is what he said. What's in your mouth? What's in your mouth? And I was like. <laughs> like a cat with a bird and like the feather hanging out, right? And he's like, and this, I'm not kidding you, he did this to me. This is when you know, this is what my old life is going to, I know what I'm going to be as an old man after this story. He's like, get over here. And he takes me, I'm not kidding you, this is an embarrassing story. He takes me to the trash can and he's going, spit it out. <laughs> spit it out. And I'm like, duh, 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 duh. I spit it out. What's wrong with me? And then he says this, he goes, you have a problem. And here's the bottom line. I do. Because I don't know if your family is like my family, but anything that great happened is like, let's go eat. You know, and that's how I grew up. And so I'm like, I have a problem with food. And we all have strong appetites and cravings in our life. We all have them. We all have them, whether they're food or affirmation or sex or material possessions or wealth or status or alcohol or drugs. It doesn't matter. We have strong cravings in our life. Now, appetites and cravings in and of themselves are not the problem. But the problem is when they start to control our life, when they start to take over. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote a big chunk of the New Testament of the Bible, he was an enemy of Jesus and his followers. He had an incredible experience with Jesus that changed his life, and he started to follow Jesus and preach the good news. And he knew about the nature of us. Of human beings. And he wrote about it. And I'm going to give you a little bit different translation. It's called the NLT if you're interested. But it's really a beautiful translation because it puts in wording that I think we can attach to really easily. Romans 7, he says, Paul says this, I don't really understand myself. Does anyone ever feel that? I don't understand myself. For what I want to do is what I want to do, what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. And he says, I love God's law with all my heart. Paul did. He loved God. He loved his law. I love God. He said, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. I want you to hold that phrase. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. And he says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And then he says, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. He says, in my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. This is exactly the scripture. This is exactly the reason that we're starting out 2018 with this series. 
These ideas that we crave things that aren't healthy and they take over our lives. So next week, we're going to talk about not being able to say no to the bottle, to substances. The week after that, not being able to say no to our body. Last week, not being able to say no to our digital devices. Oh, Lord, help us. You know, we're like, oh, no, I can't do it. But this week is an interesting topic to me. I'm so grateful that we're starting with this topic because I think this topic is a topic that lives in the majority of people around the world. And this topic is, I can't say no to your approval. Looking at the craving and addiction of trying to get the approval of other people above God. And so I'm excited about what he's going to say to us during this particular time. I'm going to pray for our time together. And as I do that, the band's going to come out because we're going to do a song that was written by Lindy and Josh Collier, who are part of our team. And every time God speaks to our artists, I'm excited that they're, they're in this song is custom made for these four weeks and in particular this day. And so let me pray and then we're going to fall into that song. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that we feel your presence today and that your arms are wrapped around us. We know, Lord, that uh, when we poke at these kinds of things, maybe even some things that are hidden in the dark, that it sometimes feels like turning on a light in a dark room. It can hurt our eyes. And so, Father, I'm praying that your arms are wrapped around us, everyone in this room and everyone watching on stream. It says in your scripture that in your presence there is safety. And so I'm asking you, Lord, to make this a safe place as we try to become more like you. We want your heart. We want you to remind us who we are, who we truly are. We want you to clear our heart out. We want you to set us in motion, Lord, to look more like you. Father, guide us in that way. Amen. I just want to be known I'd do anything Just to be told You're perfect You're beautiful I'm striving to Be unforgettable The voice I hear the loudest Says you are forgotten I strive to prove I'm worth it So I'm not worthless And I Thank you. 
It's a powerful song. I love that song. And here's what's even more powerful to me. This is mother and daughter. You know, and Hannah, it's so amazing. This is a sophomore in high school. And it's so powerful. I love what God is doing through you. And thank you for that. But here's why it's powerful to me. Because when I think about a mother and daughter, I think about my children. (laughs) Scotty, you say your dad, right? Your dad, we just did your dad's funeral yesterday, right? amazing man. In fact, I would say this to you, Scotty, today. Your dad lived the most beautiful part of what we're going to talk about today. He's an amazing father. We're going to sing that song at the end called Good, Good Father. That's your dad, you know? And I know it's a hard time, but I'll tell you something. He's a beautiful man. But when I think about Scotty, I think about my kids. I don't want them to doubt that they're approved. I don't want them to doubt that they're loved. I don't want them to think some of the lyrics that Lindy and Josh wrote. Listen to these lyrics. They're probably the voice I hear loudest says that you are forgotten. I strive to prove I'm worth it. So I'm not worthless. Am I worth it? I crave your approval. I crave your for survival. I crave your approval. I'm fighting for your love. I'm fighting to be loved. And I don't want my kids to doubt that they are loved and that they are seen as valuable and of unsurpassable worth. And I desire that for all of you. I really do inform myself. By the way, uh, if you love that song, you can just download it for free on our app or our website. Because I think it's an awesome song. So you can go download that. But Rick Warren, who's a great pastor out in California, great author, pastor, Saddleback Church. He did a talk on this years ago that I always loved about this topic. In the beginning of one of his talks, he reads a letter from a college woman that had this realization that she had been living her whole life trying to get the approval of people. And so I wish I could read the whole letter to you. This whole thing is powerful. She talks about her childhood, then her teens, and then into her 20s. And then she ends the letter this way. And this I want to share with you. She says, I'm tired of saying, see if you can hear yourself. I'm tired of saying yes to people just because I'm afraid to say no. I'm tired of caring too much about what other people think about me. I'm tired of being manipulated and used in so many ways, but in so many ways, it's my own fault. And then I love these last lines. He says, sometimes I feel I don't even know who I am. And then this last line is like a kick in the gut to me. I am just a collection of the expectations of others. Whoa. I am a collection of the expectations of other people. That's a powerful line. And fearing the disapproval of others, or really it's a deep fear of rejection, can be so damaging. And why do we fear rejection? 
<laughs> looks at me. I had a conversation yesterday with somebody that I know well. And he looked at me. I'm not kidding you. He said this. You know, I'll be honest with you. Never in my whole life have I ever felt a feeling like that. I was like, wow, you got problems. No, <laughs> but here's what I will say. There are many people that don't, de- that don't struggle deeply with this. There are people in this room that are not going to struggle. But I would say the majority of people do. I think of my own dad. I don't think my dad struggles heavily in this area. But the majority of the people around the world, I think, have this idea. And I, what we can definitely relate to is that every single person in their life has been rejected. Every one of us has. You don't go through life without being rejected. And the ones that hurt sometimes the worst are when you're rejected by the people that are closest to you. People that have deep influence in your life. A parent, a family member, a coach, a teacher, a pastor. People that have influence in your life, you feel rejected from. That is a deep thing that we hold. I remember years ago I, when I first started playing music, uh, I was a little guy and I was pretty talented on the drums. And I started taking lessons when I was, I don't know, sixth grade. I don't know how old you're then. And I was pretty young. And I remember going to this guy and he's real serious and he'd smoke a pipe. He'd listen to you, you know. And, uh, and so he says, I want you to play a drum solo. I want to enter you into a contest. I think you'll do well. And I was like, yeah, I can solo. And so he said, prepare something and bring it in for your lesson. So I came in and I tore it up. Like, I was like, I nailed that. And he looks back after I'm done. He's like, not good. You don't know anything about soloing. That was not good. That whole journey didn't work. And he went on and on. I'm not kidding you. It took me like 10 years or more to get over that. I never wanted to solo again. And there are things that are being said to you that we carry deeply in our hearts. There are people in this room right now, even in your 60s and 70s, that are still trying to win the approval of their parents. Win the approval and, ex- and live out the expectations of someone else. If we don't get control of this fear, of this craving, of this appetite to have the approval of, of others, it will rob us of the life that God promises us. I really believe that. And so we, we went to a friend of ours, Jack Wilson. He's a person that gives his Tuesdays to the staff at Kensington, many Tuesdays throughout the year. He gets here probably 7 in the morning, goes home at 7 at night, and he gives us counseling. And he's amazing at it. He did that in his life. He's in, had an incredible professional life. He actually is a, a coach for high-end athletes and performance coach. He's an amazing man. And we thought, well, over these four weeks, each week, we're going to interview Jack, and we're going to let him speak into some of these topics. And so I want you to fall into this and listen to Jack. I love his even-keeled mind. I love how simply he does and how he gets to the point. Check this out. So, Jack, we're talking about cravings. Uh, addictions in this series, how would you define that? I know you deal with this kind of stuff all the time in your own life. Sure. But no, obviously counseling people, how would you describe, define a craving that a person can't say no to? Well, a craving is both psychological and physiological. You know, and when we, uh, when we get, whether it's craving for chocolate or craving for alcohol or craving for a controlled substance, we actually have kind of a physiological change, you know, in, in the whole mind-body system. Uh, and thinking about that, you know, visualizing it, you know, you've heard me say the 24 hours a day, we're constantly talking to ourselves, both in words and in pictures. And when we have cravings, those show up as pictures in our brain. And a picture is worth what? A thousand words, right? You know, so when we picture the, you know, the object of our, of our desire or, or at some point perhaps the object of our addiction, uh, then it basically overpowers the whole system 
uh, and makes us think about it uh, in a compulsive. You can almost use compulsive and craving sort of as synonyms. Now, how do I know or how does a person know when a craving is good and when it gets dangerous? Uh, Whenever uh, a craving interferes with our ability to leave a normal, healthy, uh, relationship-centered life, then it's something we really ought to be giving some serious thought to. So let's say week one of this series, I struggle with your approval Mm -hmm. and everybody's approval. How can I test that to see if it's really determining how I feel? Okay. If you're struggling with approval, um, then you, you, there's a variety of different things that you want to do, but you want to begin having an attitude change, okay? Uh, because approval is an attitude. You know, and attitudes are incredibly powerful, okay? Uh, so if you have an attitude that I need somebody's approval, then start thinking differently, start visualizing differently. Um, but in that process, start kind of analyzing where did this come from? Um, you know, you know, I'm really big on, on personality types and things like that, you know, and certain personality types are more likely to care about other people's attitudes, you know, so we want to start there. Uh, some people have been, uh, grew up in dysfunctional families, uh, and they were not allowed to be who they really are. So they become very concerned about approval because they were trying to fake it without even knowing they were faking it because mm-hmm. that was their environment. Uh, but they've not been allowed to express who they truly are. You know, so you start thinking in, in terms of kind of a, in, the, in the existential sense, who am I? Uh, and if you grew up in a dysfunctional family that did not allow you to develop um, by trying things out, by making mistakes, by talking honestly about your emotions, um, then you're going to have to go through some of that. I love Jack. I, he's, I've probably been meeting with Jack for over a dozen years. He knows everything about me. He knows my brokenness well. And I remember the first time I went to see him, and everyone said he's a little quiet at first, you know, and me, I'm like, you know, and so I would go in there, and I'm like talking about, you know, this and that, you know, this and that. And I lay it all like 10 minutes of just babble, and then I go, what do you think? And he, and he literally does this to me. That's how uncomfortable it felt for me, too. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, he just breathed out this perfect little sentence of wisdom. That's how he's built. It's really beautiful. I love that man. And he speaks so, so much wisdom when it comes to this. Proverbs 29 says this in scripture, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. In fact, one version says the fear of man brings a snare, a trap, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Now there's one distinction I want to make sure we understand. Pleasing people in its entirety is not a bad thing. Meaning like there's a healthy way, there's a healthy desire to please people. Scripture says that we are to please our parents. We are to respect our parents. There's also, I want to get the approval of my wife. There's nothing wrong with that and she from me. That's okay. There's a healthiness to it. Where it breaks down is when all of a sudden the approval of people becomes the thing. A friend of mine says when people become so big and they're the main thing, God becomes small. But when God is big, it's put into perspective. And what happens is when our desire for people's approval surpasses our desire for God's approval, then it becomes dicey. And in fact, the Apostle Paul speaks of that because he's saying, if, you are follow- if you're in this room and you're following Christ and you want to make that your life, 
and your passion, and this is what you're doing. Apostle Paul speaks really brutal on this topic. This is what he says in, in Galatians 1. He goes, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Those are hard words. He's saying, if I'm getting my worth from people, guess what? I can't serve. I can't follow God. If I'm trying to get my worth from people and trying to please them, I can't do it. It's a trap. And when we are trapped in the approval addiction, it steals from us many things. But today we're just going to talk about three things. Our identity, our integrity, and our purpose. Our identity, integrity, and purpose. The first one, our identity. I had a friend, uh, not even a friend, but an acquaintance years ago. And we worked together. And there was a moment, I don't know if I was in the conversation or privy to it, but there was a moment where he, he said, you know, I don't worry about office politics. I don't worry about any of that. I just read the room, listen to the words, and I just become whatever they want me to become. And I was like, whoa, think about that. Become a chameleon, just listen, do it, and then just become somebody else, whatever they need. I'll just please them, I'll just become whatever. It's like a chameleon, right? Now, some of that hurts because most of us have done that in our life at some point. We just become something else. We put on a mask. And Jesus talked to the religious people at the time, and he warned them about this in Luke 16. He said this, so Jesus spoke to them and said, You are masters at making yourself look good in front of others, but God knows what's behind the appearance. Another scripture says, God knows our heart. In fact, that's, that is an app, that's a theme that runs through scripture. That you can do whatever you want, but inside, God knows our heart. He knows our motives. He knows who we are. And so as we start to please people, we become hypocrites. We start to wear masks. We start to live a life of duplicity. We start to push away our real identity, our God-given identity. I don't know if some of you in this room might not know, but God has given you a particular identity rooted in him. Sometimes he can be called a kingdom identity. But he's given you a unique identity rooted just in you. And we start to wear these masks. And I think we wear the mask in some ways because it's easier to get rejected if we're pretending to be something else. Meaning if I ever ask, I go, well, you know, that's not really me. And I had to do that because that person had to do this. But if you're 100% yourself, if you're working to be open and to be yourself, it can hurt to be rejected. But God desires us to be congruent inside, not conflicted within ourselves. And when we try to win the approval of others rather than God, we start to put on masks. We start to become who we aren't. We start to live these false identities. And each one of us has this unique identity that God has given us. And here's what I really believe. I believe that when we die and we are in front of God, God's not going to look at us and say, Did you please everyone? Did you please everyone? Oh, oh, you know what? I really think you should have been more like your dad. Did you do that? I think you should have been a lot more like your mom. Boy, if you were like your brother, I don't think God's going to say anything. You know what I think God's going to say to us? Did you become who I made you to be? Did you become who I made you to be? He's not going to care about anything else. He's not going to say, be somebody else. No, God's going to say, did you become who I made you to be? And each person in this room is created unique to be who they are created to be. But when we're pleasing other people, guess what? We're not living in that identity. We're living in a false identity. So 
It steals our name. It also steals our integrity. <laughs> Years ago, probably when I was in high school, uh, friends of mine talked me into going out all night. Hey, we're going to go all night. Just lie to your parents, and then we'll camp out, and then we'll just go out. And so I did it. I'm like, okay. And so we camp out. And we wake up in the middle of the night, and we just wreaked havoc on our neighborhood. We got chased by the cops. Kids, don't do this. It's not good. And then the next morning, of course, my mom's like, found out about it. I don't know how she found it. She's so stealthy. And moms are amazing. And so she finds out about it. And she's like, did you do this? And I'm like, yeah. And she's why did you do that? I was like, well, I don't know. Like, they were doing it, and I just went along. And then, now, be honest. My mom had all these sayings. And so this was one of her classic sayings. Are you kidding me? Well, let me ask you a question. If all your friends jumped off a bridge, would you jump off with them? Come on, did your parents do that? Right? I'm, even my own wife, she's got these crazy things. She should live in the 1940s. <laughs> like she, this has nothing to do with the message, but this is true. And so when the kids were little, she would say, come on downstairs, you guys are late. And they wouldn't come down. Kids, if you don't come down right now, I'm going to sell you to the gypsies. <laughs> and, then the, and the kids would look at me and go, who's the gypsies? I'm like, I don't know. Just come down, right? <laughs> and now they're getting a lot of, you know, attention now. They're living in false identities. So they want to be gypsies. But... That's beside the point. The point is this. When we try to please people, we put our integrity in jeopardy. Exodus says this. You must not follow the crowd in wrongdoing. When you are called to testify in a dispute, do not be swayed by the crowd to twist justice. When the approval of people is more important than the approval of God, we will lose our integrity. We will make poor choices. Now this phrase, integrity is more important than popularity. And nowadays, it, more than ever, that, is a, that, that phrase is tough. Because nowadays, more than ever, and believe me, I think there's beautiful things about social media, the way we're connected more than we ever have been. I think there's a lot of power in that. And I think the Lord would use it and is using that. But I think what's so amazing about it is that think about everything. Well, if I get enough likes, if I get enough followers, if my tweets notice enough, there's this whole idea of being popular. And integrity is more, pop, is more important than popularity. And we see this played out in Scripture. Some of, some of Jesus' closest friend, Peter, who is really Jesus' kind of normal person, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church on you. He saw all these amazing things happening. And when the hour came, when Jesus was arrested and he was being tried, and here's Jesus, and people come up to him and say, hey, wait a minute. You're friends with Jesus, right? Like, are you close to him? He's like, no, I don't know. I know he is. Three times couldn't do it. Pontius Pilate the same way. It says in scripture that Pontius Pilate, the one that pushed Jesus into this whole trial and to his death, he, he knew he was innocent. He knew it in his heart. But he says, no, no. He gives in. King Saul, first king of, of the nation of Israel, same thing. Struggled and struggled and struggled. And Samuel, unbelievable, one of my favorite characters in the scripture, he confronts him and Saul responds in 1 Samuel. Listen to what he says. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I have violated the Lord's command and your instructions. Look, I was afraid of the men and so I gave in to them. I was afraid of the men. John 12 says, For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. When we love the glory of men before God. We will not live lives of integrity. When we are more concerned about the approval of man over the approval of God, we risk to lose our integrity. And so it steals our identity. 
integrity, and then our purpose. I don't know if you know this, but each person that says in Scripture has a specific purpose that God has for you. He needs, he doesn't, he doesn't need it so much as he wants it for each person. You are valuable. There are people in here that think, I don't really, I'm, they're living a purposeless life in their mind. And God's saying, no, I have purpose for you. And when we're trying to please other people, we're living out someone else's purpose, someone else's expectation. And the apostle Paul says this, for we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines what? The motives of our heart. There again is the theme. Many of us in this room are actually living out purpose that are not for us, that have been placed upon us. People have said, I, I know what you need. And they've said things about us and we're winning, trying to win the approval. Like I said before, there are people that are in their 70s in this room that are still trying to please their parents and still live out the purpose of their parents' life. And God's like, no, I have a purpose for you. I remember talking to a friend of mine coming out of high school, a few years out of high school, and he was awesome. He was super, real bright, had an incredible future. And, uh, and, and we met, you know, wherever it was. And we started talking. And he's asking about, well, it's going good. How are you doing? Great. And he, he came from a line of engineers. And so he got pushed into that kind of life. And he said, he said you know, I, I'm doing this cool thing. I'm doing that. And I'm starting to work. But he said, man, I really want to work with my hands. I'm like, called to work with my hands. He was an amazing builder. Loved to work on wrench on cars and do that kind of work. He said, nah, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to follow in line. I'm just going to, I'm just going to do this. So it's expected of me. And that's what he did. Now, his life's awesome. Like, it wasn't like bad, but you could tell. I, I remember walking away thinking, he's designed for something different. He's got a different kind of purpose. And when we are trying to please man and not God, we can now walk in someone else's purpose and not our own. And so our identity our integrity, our purpose. So what's the antidote? How do we overcome this? I'm going to give you three thoughts, and then we are going to watch a powerful story that you'll see play this out over time. The first antidote is this, renew your mind. Paul talks about this in Romans, and I took a different spin on this uh, famous scripture because I love the wording of this. Listen to what this says. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. It's exactly what Jack said. He said, when you're in this mode, you need your attitude to change. You need a change of attitude. You need to start having an attitude of Jesus. Now listen, this is a powerful thing. Even God did not please everyone. Think about this. God came here, Jesus in the flesh, preaching a message. And guess what? Most people did not like him. They would walk away from him. Many were indifferent. God didn't please everyone. God isn't pleasing everyone now. Why would you think you would have to please everyone? Like, I think even in this room, I think about it. I know what's happening in this room right now. I've been around long enough. This was happening. I don't know about this guy. You know, I think his beard is a little too long. He uses weird translations of the Bible. Are they real? I don't know about his clothes. His voice bothers me. I'm tired. 
I want to go home. What are we having for lunch? I know what's happening in the room. <laughs> it's okay. That's all right. Because I'm not here to please you. Now, you don't want me to be here to, to be a people pleaser. If I was here as one of your leaders and I'm trying to please you, you know where that's going to lead us? That's going to lead us into Danny land. You don't want to go to Danny land. Right? If I'm just, everything I'm doing is motivated so that you will like me, we're in trouble as a church. I'm not here to please you. I know that. Look, I was an artist for a long time. Some of the best artists only get about 10% or less of the population to like them. Think about a political, think about our, our politics right now. Think about it in history. Half the people of this country hate the president that gets elected. We're not here to please people. Now, don't get me wrong. I am here to serve you. And I want to please you because I desire for us to move to the kingdom of God. And you, you, here's what you want from me. You want me to be a person that's looking for my identity and my purpose and my integrity from the Lord. That's what you need from us. Because then I can lead you into the presence of God, not into the presence of myself. And if I'm worried about what you're thinking, that's a, that's a recipe for disaster. But if I'm getting my worth from God, then guess what? We're moving towards the real thing, which is Jesus Christ. That's where we need to go. Because it's not about me. It's not about this church. It is about Jesus. We have to have the mentality of Jesus. Now, there's this great moment in Scripture where the religious people were, were chiming in on Jesus. They were, they were challenging his attitude. They were challenging his integrity. They were challenging his purpose. They were challenging who he was. And Jesus says this in John 5. He goes, your approval means nothing to me. Your approval means nothing to me. He says, I don't receive honor from men. That's what the, the King James verse says. I don't receive honor from men. Now, let me give you one extra thought to add to that. We need people in our life that speak truth. I'm not saying that we're lone soldiers here and we're just going to do whatever we want to do. We need a community of people, people that don't have a ton of strings attached to us, people that want the best for our lives. We need wisdom around us. But we don't be needing to work for the approval of men. But we need wisdom around us. So look, kids, I don't want you to go home and say, hey, parents, you know what the pastor said? I don't even need to listen to you anymore. I just get more. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we need wisdom around us. But we need to work for the approval of God and not of man. We need to change the way we think. One of my favorite books that helped me overcome this years ago is a book called The Power of Habit. The Power of Habit by this author named Charles Duhigg. I've, meant, I've mentioned this book a number of times because I think it's brilliant. And in this book, it shows like a loop that we get into when we have wrong thinking. In fact, I found a, a picture of that loop. And it's called this kind of craving loop or this habit loop. And and people that are addicted know this. They understand this loop well. They know that all it would take is a a smell of something or a a particular place or a word and it cues this habit that's formed. And all of a sudden you go into an automatic routine that your brain says, and then you get your reward. And God says, you need to renew the way that you think. You need to renew your mind. Now, you know what's interesting about this? Science has found out that the habits we have in our mind never go away, meaning they're patterns that are already in our brain. But what they found out was you can put a dominant pattern over another pattern and change things. Now, what I think science is doing is taking Romans 12 and making it real. 
Because God says every day, I want to renew your mind. I want to give you a new way of thinking. I want to give you a new cycle of thinking. I want to renew that. And we need to renew our minds. We need to renew the way we think. That's the first thing. The second one is recalculate your direction. My wife has finally got me to the point where I'll hit go on my phone when I'm trying to get directions and I have to listen to that annoying voice. And every time I want to go my own way, it says recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. I just want to, you know, like I hate that voice. But in some ways, it's brilliant because we need to recalculate our direction because life is about movement and direction. It's about movement and direction. Life is about movement. We are moving in some direction. Sometimes we think, that person's, I don't know, they're so far from the Lord. I hear this, they're so far from the Lord. And you know what? Sometimes we'll look at people that look far from the Lord, and they could be moving so fast in the direction of the Lord. And some people that claim that they're following the Lord potentially could be moving in the opposite way away from God. Life is about direction. And Jesus spoke to this strongly. And here's what I would say. This scripture is the cornerstone of this series to me. This scripture is your scripture and my scripture for 2018. This scripture to me is the antidote above all antidotes. Listen to what it says. Jesus says in his famous sermon, he says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I love that word seek because it implies direction. It implies movement. When we seek something, we're going for something. We're seeking it. We're moving. And he's saying, listen, and he's referring to a number of things that he said in the sermon. He's saying this, if you seek me first and you desire my righteousness, all of these things will start to come. If you want 2018 to be the best year of your life, this is your scripture. And it tells you exactly what to do. Seek God. Seek him first. Desire his righteousness. It's in those moments that you will have unbelievable breakthrough. It is in those moments that you will see a new path. I had a friend of mine, a close friend of mine, he's an older guy. He came up to me just this week and he had this breakthrough moment. And he said, man, I just had this realization after all of these years of my life. He's like, I've been living to try to please my father, who, by the way, had passed a number of years ago. I've been trying to please my dad, my earthly dad. He's like, I just need to seek God. That's all I need to do. Like, I just need to seek him first. And I was like, yes, it's exactly what you need to do, you know. And in, here's what happened. It was such a beautiful moment. You could feel this burden lift. You could actually hear kind of the sounds of falling chains off of him after all these years. You could see the freedom that exists. When we seek God first, when we seek his righteousness, when we look for his approval, guess what starts to happen? We start to become who we're really designed to be. Scripture says that when Jesus sets you free, you will be free indeed. When God sets you free, you're free. Now think about this. For me, how this plays out, I get excited because this is the exciting news. Could you imagine, for me, walking into a meeting that you have to do a hard meeting and you don't have all these voices in your head saying, I don't know if you can do this. I'm not your person. I don't know if you're like me. I don't know if you have little voices that speak, but I have this tape that goes like, I don't know, I don't know. You don't know. When you know your identity and you're seeking God first and you're only looking for his approval, guess what happens? You're clear-minded. You're quiet in your mind. You can walk into meetings and not lose yourself. 
and try to please people. Wouldn't it be amazing in your marriage if you sought God first so that you could have a real conflict with your wife and not shut down? Where you could actually work for her best interest even when it's hurting you. Because you're not getting your worth from her trying to please her. You're pleasing God and you're serving. Wouldn't you imagine what that would be like? I'm telling you, it can happen. I've watched it in my life. I've watched it transform where I was a people pleaser for years of my life and now trying to learn how to change that. And when that happens, it's a clarity of mind that you never had before. You know what it is? It's freedom. Because God's letting us live in who we really are. He's letting us live in our true identity. He's letting us live a life that's pure and has integrity, has purpose, that our thoughts are renewed, that we're recalculating and moving in the direction. And then the last one that we actually only have an audience of one. That we live for an audience of one. I love that, that phrase, that my life is about Christ and Christ alone. I live for God. I live for his approval. I like the phrase, the one who designed us is the only one who can define us. A great, great phrase. The one who designed us is the only one who can define us. Our God, the creator, the savior, the Lord, the audience of one. When we please people above God, guess what happens? We're placing them above him. It's a form of idolatry. But when we look to God, we're free. I'm going to read Galatians 1.10 one more time because Paul put out a really hard challenge. He said, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of God. This year is the year for you. I really believe that and for us. If we can realign that, the freedom we would exist and the presence of God that we exist would be unbelievable. So that's what I'm praying for for 2018. Now, I want to show you a story and you're going to watch Judy and John's story play out in a powerful way and you're going to see how these principles lay out. And as we're doing that, we're going to receive our offering. And so ushers, whenever you're ready, you can come down. I want to say this to you. This past year has been astounding. So thank you for your generosity. Thank you for unbelievable stuff that's happening in this community. And Amy and I give, obviously, out of an act of worship. This past year, even for our year-end giving, unbelievable. Thank you. If you're brand new here today, this does not have to be your moment. Your moment's something we call starting point. So you just walk out into the lobby, straight out these doors here, and you'll see one that says starting point, one that says uh, our our care hub there and our information hub. Just go right there. We'd love to talk to you and, and connect you in. But fall back right now, put your eyes on this video, open your ears, and watch how God worked in Judy and John's life. When I was young, I, I loved my mom. She was, a, she was just a gorgeous, really talented person, just beautiful. She didn't have any self-worth. She wasn't a Christian and um, had already been left from one husband. This was her second marriage. And um, I think she knew my dad was having affairs, and uh, she just did whatever it took. She was a June Cleaver during the day and a Marilyn Monroe at night. I watched that in her life, and I thought, well, if it worked for her, um, I guess the whole time I w- until I got married, I just thought that's what I would have to do. Eventually, I started getting interested in boys. I started dressing kind of seductively, and 
I didn't think I could get approval just for who I was. When I was 15, Johnny um, came into my life. He was uh, everything I ever wanted. I knew the minute I met him that I would never let him go. It wasn't even six months we were having um, sex. And a lot of times, if he would want to take me home early or anything, um, that's, how I, that's how I would keep him. One night I came home after being out late in Johnny's car, and my father was up. He had been drinking, and he called me a slut. I guess if I, I thought that if anybody could spot one, he could, because of the way his life was. And uh, I never got his approval, I guess. Or maybe I did. I don't know. I thought, maybe I thought women were supposed to be like that. And that that's all they were good for. Because that's the way he treated my mom. And... Um, that's the picture I had of myself. Eventually, Johnny and I did get married. I remember Johnny um, always saying to me, um, all I want from you is I want you to look good, smell good, and take care of the children. That's all I ever thought about was uh, how I looked. And if he would even come home for lunch and I didn't have my makeup on or my lipstick on or something, he would say, are you sick? Don't you feel good? I couldn't really be myself. I could never be myself. I always had to wear a, uh, a mask. I didn't feel like I, I could ever just be who I was. I found a Playboy magazine under the mattress. Um, I got really mad, very angry. I felt very rejected, and I knew I had competition. One night, he, I had had a candlelight dinner all set for him. Um, the kids were tucked in bed. And he called and said he wouldn't be home because he had some other things that he had to do. By the time he got home, I was so angry. I went out and I had an affair. Um, just a one-time affair. I couldn't believe that I had done that. I, was, I came home and I told him, um, hoping that he would show some kind of concern, but he didn't. He just, he let me know that he really didn't care. About three months later, I found out I was pregnant, and then we were really scared. Uh, I knew that it wasn't my husband's baby. I went and had an abortion. And uh, one of the reasons I had the abortion was so that nobody would know what I did, that I had been unfaithful. I wanted to hide it. I didn't want my children ever to know that I wasn't the perfect mother, um, a perfect wife. I decided one night that I couldn't live with myself anymore for what I'd done. So I was standing in the bathroom and considering taking my life and the phone rang at three in the morning. It was my twin sister. What she told me was that an angel woke her up and said to call me because I was in trouble. So I remember hanging up the phone, going in my living room, 
and praying to God, if you're real, please show me. So three weeks later, we went to a Billy Graham crusade. It was like he knew my story. There were 75,000 people there. And the first scripture he quoted was about the adulterous woman. And I remember him saying that Isaiah 118 said that as even though your sins are red as scarlet, that he would wash you as white as wool, that he would forgive you. It was news I never knew. I had no idea that God was like that. I thought God was like my dad, that he was um, angry all the time, and I should be scared of him. I went to the altar and asked Jesus into my heart, because that's what I wanted. I wanted forgiveness. I wanted to, he said I could be made brand new. I remember going home, and I saw myself as a completely different person. I was just totally free to be who I wanted to be, and it wouldn't matter who got mad at me if I, <laughs> if I didn't, you know, act the way they wanted me to act. All that mattered is that what God thought of me, even though I knew mercy and grace from God, I still didn't have that mercy and grace for Johnny. I put a lot of blame on him for my actions. He visited a church that I was attending, and um, again, the evangelist was preaching his story, and he got saved. I saw a change in Johnny that was incredible. After the Billy Graham crusade, I found out that I was pregnant. I just couldn't believe that God would allow me, would trust me to be a mom again after what I'd done, that he would really trust me. So for the next nine months, I was scared to death. So the day came when I went to the hospital and delivered the baby. And the nurses and the doctors kept looking at me saying, Judy, look at your baby. He's just a beautiful baby boy. And I didn't want to look because of that fear of punishment. And I finally looked at my child, John Dempsey Stoll. And that's when I really saw mercy and grace. I couldn't believe it, that God would give me this beautiful baby, gave me beauty for ashes. I just um, thank God every day. So this is Johnny and Judy. Awesome. I told you before, every, it's hard not to watch that and just, you know, our team watched it the first time this week and, oh, you know, and, and you've been waiting how long to tell this story? How long? 40 years. You gotta be good. 40 years. 40 years. I've been praying almost every morning, God, I gotta share this story because there's people that need to hear it. <laughs> 40 years. That's awesome. <laughs> and then how long have you both been married? Uh, 52 years next week. <laughs> so good. Well, I wanted you to, to see them. Now, here's this past Friday, we got to get together with, uh, there, there's pockets of people in this church that you don't realize are just are real heavy lifters and doing amazing things. And I can look out there and see. This past Friday, we met with our marriage mentors. And they are people that are pouring into couples so profoundly and doing such incredible work. They are just like these pillars that are this foundation of our church that are holding people. And we got to celebrate that. And you two are some of those people. Now look at what God has done. He's actually took you on this journey where you are now pouring in life 
in Christ into couples. And having couples in crisis and pouring into them, I just want to tell you I'm so grateful for your story. I'm so grateful for your twin sister, you know, <laughs> and grateful for what God is doing through you. So I just invited them up so you could see them. They're going to be out in the lobby. If you want to talk to either one of them, just grab them. And then I'm going to have uh, Judy pray for us. We just thank you, Lord, um, for the opportunities that you give us, that you actually trust us with other people's lives. We thank you for redeeming our lives from the pit and crowning us with love and compassion so that our lives are renewed like the eagles. Mm -hmm. You work righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. You are compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, Abounding in love, you will not always accuse or harbor your anger forever. You don't treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. As far as the east is from the west, you have removed our transgressions. Thank you, Jesus. Though our sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are as crimson they will be white like wool. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you. Give it another big hand. It's so good. So let me give you two quick thoughts, and then Jalen and Tim are going to lead us in a powerful song that speaks about who we are and who God is. And so I really want you to stay for that. But let me give you two thoughts. There's an incredible community here called Celebrate Recovery. And I've been part of that. I think it's the most honest community we have in this. And we meet on Monday nights here, Tuesdays at Orient. And Celebrate Recovery is a recovery ministry where we look at our hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Now, many times we think about recovery and we think, oh, it's just addiction to alcohol, drugs. That There is a small percentage of actually about 33, 35% of the people that come there are that. But the other big, huge part is about all kinds of things just like we're talking about today. Addiction to approval, hurts that we have, long hurts that we've had in our life. And I'm telling you, if you are this person today and you're feeling like 2018 is a, is a year that you want God to clean up, I'm asking you to go out in the lobby. We have a little table right between uh, our starting point and our information that says care, just tucked in the back. And if it's you or somebody you know, just go there. Ask questions, be part of that ministry. Here's the second thing and what we're going to do over the course of the next four weeks. If you've ever been on a mission trip, either locally or around the world, sometimes we'll do something called a life token. We'll bring something with us that we want to surrender to God or a story that happens. And we're going to, over the course of the next four weeks, this is what we're going to do. We're going to start to think about things that we want to surrender because on the fourth week, we're going to just lay them on this stage. Next week, we'll talk about the bottle. Maybe many of you are struggling with alcohol and maybe, maybe your life token will be a bottle. You just bring it up and lay it on here. Maybe today, I don't know what today would be. Maybe Judy would, would take a makeup kit or something that she thought would represent this idea that it's all about how she looked. And she would surrender that to God. And on the fourth week, we're just going to say, bring those. And let's surrender them this year to God. And have Him take place of this craving in our heart that we start to crave Him above all things. And so Jalen and the team are going to sing one of my favorite songs called Good, Good Father. And I'm going to invite you, if you'd like to stand up and sing this, if you want to sit and, 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 and contemplate, great. If you're not able to stand, that's okay too. But I'm asking you, if you want to engage in this and stand and lift your voices, because and, and listen to me, sometimes we stand right now and people are like, awesome, this is my time to get out. No, stay here for five minutes with us. Here's why, because you may not want to sing. 
but the praises of the people around you can permeate your heart when they sing the truth of God. Let's lift our voices.
direction our attention is on him if that happens this year i'm telling you that's it last service there was a guy standing over here and he had his little boy on his shoulders the whole time that we sang that song it was so powerful to me that idea that we sit on the shoulders of god and that he gives us our identity and he sets us out that's what i'm praying for 2018 not to win the approval of men and people but to say, Lord, I'm putting my attention on you this year. Let me pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in our midst. Thank you for your word, your powerful word that starts us thinking in a whole different way this year. Father, I ask that you guide us in a way that's so everlasting this year, that leads us into eternal thoughts, leads us into our eternal purpose, leads us into eternal identity. Father, do that for this community. We're praying for that. We thank you. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you need prayer, come down front or out in the lobby. Love to see you at Starting Point. Also, this midweek and then next week, second week of Crave, come on back. Uh, It's going to be a powerful year.